0: Justin Polgar, it's where we play Spot the Propaganda together, and it's where we have high-vibe, deep-diving conversations with amazing humans. So be sure to hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for this week's episode. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what if I'm wrong? This is a question that we explore in today's episode of The Conscious Awesome Show. Be sure to subscribe so that you can stay abreast of every Word Up offering. Because here at Word Up, we don't just host The Conscious Awesome Show. We also host Words Are Matter, Planetary Service Announcements, Witchy Life Hacks, Spot the Propaganda, and Super High Vibe Deep Diving Interviews. As well, you can track Justin and myself and our Conscious Awesome offerings over at locals.consciousawesome.com. You can fill up on Justin's world's greatest, multiverse's greatest chocolate at yescacao.com and you can track Danny's everything through all the portals that are housed on dannycats.com. I think that does it for housekeeping. Enjoy today's show.
1: Yes, to you, to me, to all of us here. Welcome to the Conscious Awesome Show with your co-hosts, Justin Polgar, that's me, and Danny Katz. That's me. My lovely co-host, welcome back. This is episode 31. We're making our way into a new set of 10s. This is the fourth set of 10s. I think we're getting our traction down. Like we're, we're finding a nice ground. We may even do some live episodes soon.
0: I'm nervous. Hold me.
1: Nervous is a great energy to transform into excitement, which is a great energy to transform into genius. Get those lightning bolts flowing through your orifices.
0: Yes. I'm a big fan of genius. I'm a big fan of your genius by way of your chocolate, which I just want to say is pretty much an optimal holiday present for anyone on anyone's holiday gift-gifting list.
1: We're interested in making days holy days. And by putting Theobroma cacao, food of the gods, into your body in the highest iterations possible, which is mostly what we're focused on, pretty much what we're focused on. Only yeah. the best. Yeah. That's a, it's a holy day. Anytime you're eating yes cacao is a holy day, a holiday.
0: Indeed, and it is it is just one expression of your omniscopic genius. So since genius was up, it just felt like remiss to not mention it.
1: We like the easy, yes. we like the easy grabs. I will say also that um, in light of this being the holiday season, and typically we do sales. I mean, that's, everyone does, you know, you get your All Fridays Matter sale and then you have your Cyber Monday sale and then you have Christmas, Hanukkah, Valentine's, all these things. And for, for this, because we're right before Christmas, Hanukkah, we are actually just started Hanukkah as of last night. Happy Hanukkah.
0: Happy Hanukkah.
1: Miracles abound. Uh, instead of doing a sale, we have decided and elected and offered to our customers to donate 20% of our sales and proceeds through the end of the year to Santa Cruz's uh, Second Harvest Food Bank, because it's been a rough year, I think, for a lot of people and food access, not always so easy. Um, I feel pretty lucky in Santa Cruz. It's been kind of a rare situation to go into the grocery store and see empty shelves, but it's happened. mm more times than my fingers. Uh, So, I thought that would be a good avenue. You know, go down the food channel, share make sure people are eating during the holidays.
0: Absolutely, I love that you guys are doing that. Way to give back to your community.
1: We love humans. We do, we We love humans, even the ones that are stubbornly wrong. (laughs)
0: Speaking of wrong, (laughs) What are we talking about today, Justin?
1: We have a really fun topic today, which is resurfaced in quite a few conversations. And the topic is episode 31, what if I'm wrong? (sighs) It's a pretty liberating thing to engage actually.
0: Just hearing you say it, I got chills through my, it's such a valid question.
1: What if I'm wrong? And a question that would be excellent to ask on a very regular basis, especially because of this age of information that we live in. We live in an age of information. And slash so- information.
0: disinformation.
1: Slash disinformation. All types of in form We're putting things into structures. In-form. We're putting things in form. Let us use our skills of discernment. And probably the most basic level of discernment in my, my book, in the book of Yes, in this conversation, it's gonna be, what if I'm wrong?
0: It's, I love it because it, it's so empowering. It's like, we're, we're questioning ourselves, we're questioning, it's like, we're inviting ourselves to question ourselves. It's an invitation. Right. It's not am I wrong, it's what if I'm wrong, which feels ever more spacious. It's like a a gentle, compassionate way for us to question our own indoctrination and our own beliefs. I love it.
1: It it creates a bit of a fork in the road, I think. Which is always a funny term to me, a fork in the road, because I don't remember the last time I used a fork that only had two prongs.
0: Well, maybe that's because you were raised in the West and does every road fork, is it a two-tine road fork? Maybe some road forks are three and four tines.
1: Well, it depends if it's for dinner or entree.
0: That's true.
1: <laughs> you know, if we're going into Emily uh, Emily Post's etiquette.
0: Right, is it know. a fish fork? Is it a salad fork? Is this, it an oyster fork? I think oyster forks are actually two-tined.
1: It's very possible. So that's what we're talking about. When we enter an oyster fork on the road, (laughs) it really gives us an opportunity to say, when I say, what if I'm wrong? Either I find out some new information that I had, what I had thought was not as accurate or resonant or correct. Maybe I was wrong. And then now I have the opportunity to choose something that is closer to right or more factual or whatever the case. And, if the, question, if the answer puts us in the other oyster prong, which is, no, yeah, yeah, I am. I am correct, I am not wrong. What if I'm wrong, what if I'm not? So that particular fork would kind of galvanize more confidence and more, you know, just a little bit more juju in the direction of, of self-knowing um, and of knowing of the environment that we live in. So I, I think it's a pretty harmless question that i realize a lot of people are afraid to ask or to people, pose
0: people are afraid to ask i'm curious in your experience of the what if i'm wrong self inquiry how often do you do you determine that you have been wrong or that in the questioning it only affirms that you you were on point
1: uh, it's a valid question. I, I'm not really sure like percentage-wise or how often, but I am aware that it does it happens. Mm-hmm. I'll say it happens regularly, where I learn something that expands my perspective, right. that also may have been counter to what I'd believed before. Mm-hmm. In some easy examples, um, you know, even just me uh, when I was very religiously vegan and raw right? My my thought patterns, my self-affirming thought patterns, and what was going on in my body, like listening to my body intelligence, I first, I thought, oh, I'm just going to do this for the rest of my life, which is always a, a little bit of a funny thing to, to say. I've tried this thing new. It's amazing. I'm going to do it forever. Right. Rarely is that actually, the follow-through on that is not very, it's just not that. Uh, consistent, I precise. Think,
0: I think generally we can acknowledge that and, I, and I'm holding you being the exception, but generally when adults say, I'm gonna do this thing for the rest of my life, like only fuck this one person, very often that turns out to not be true. We, very often those promises are broken.
1: Especially depending on how much we identify with that activity. Like I, I also just feel and I love the enthusiasm and passion that goes into that goes into that the energy of that. You find something that you enjoy so much, the expression that we have that would show that particular event or that particular pattern or habit that we have loyalty, that we love it, that we want to put energy into it is saying, I'll do this for the rest of my life. That's just the term I think that we use to kind of show our love for this thing.
0: Absolutely. And since we are on the topic of Am I Wrong, I noticed this. I remember the first time it hit me was back when I was living in Topanga and a friend of mine moved into this really cool house and she had this kick-ass permaculture garden and she said, I'm gonna live here forever. And I, instantly, I was like, I think when people say that, it's they're perving it. I think it's instantly jinxing. And when I hear it, I know they're not gonna do that. And then in, in larger explorations that are a little bit more out there, so I don't wanna take us off topic, but I've noticed when I have the inclination to hold on to something and be like, I'm gonna do this forever. I never want this to end. That's a distortion, that's something. It's not natural, like something else is coming in that's perving my relationship to time and inspiring me to cling to something that is transitory because everything's transitory. Does that make
1: sense? It totally makes sense. Actually, I have a little exercise that I've been doing with Orion, the spaceman, my two year old, two and a little bit. And I have this game that I play with him right now where I grab his wrist it's usually because he's not supposed to be touching something. And then I tell him like, uh, let go, Ryan, let go. And I'm grabbing his wrist and he's pulling it. He's pulling it. And I was like, you got to let go, man. I, you got to let go. I need my hand. I need you to let go. And through a few times and he, he was very open to it. And he looked at me with this like, how do I get out of this? And I was like, take a deep breath. So we have this kind of funny but deeply profound teaching a little parental Aww. teaching. I love finding the opportunities for this. Where I'm holding his hand or his wrist and he's trying to pull it and I was like, let go, Ryan, because in the material or in the, you know, in a narrow bandwidth or maybe the more culturally accepted bandwidth, I'm the one holding on here. <laughs> when I say let go and he goes, ah, uh he always gives a nice sigh. He's letting go. And so he then becomes free. And I'm hoping this will pattern him into profound enlightenment.
0: Absolutely. I dare to dream. <laughs>
1: this one's for you, bud. Yeah, there's, um, there's something about holding on to things. And, you know, this, this does layer nicely into the what if I'm wrong. And just being okay with being wrong is a huge advantage. I mean, when we're okay to be wrong, we allow ourselves to be fluid, to be adaptable. We allow ourselves to actually be of service to who we're here to be. Oh, this is actually, this is the shirt. I don't even know if this is reversed here. But well, I made these shirts. The,
0: well, from my perspective, I can see it, but speak so it's not my face and it's your torso.
1: I had this, uh, this echoing thought. Do you remember who you came here to be? Such and then I- bumped. I jumped on my phone. I jumped on my phone. I mean, I will say I was in the middle of a ketamine journey. And so when those echoes, I can remember them afterwards. Usually that tidbit wants to be on a shirt. I was imagining I could see myself walking down with a prompt. I like shirts that give prompts for people who are willing.
0: Really, because you're, you're inviting, you're so co-creative. Like you're inviting them to participate. You're inviting them to be active. And, and you're not telling them who they are. You're not telling them to remember. It's just gentle. It's like, what if I'm wrong? It's just a gentle, it's very compassionate.
1: Like if someone's read my shirt and said, no, I don't remember who I'm here to be. What a great conversation opener. Or if they say, yes and they have that twinkle in their eyes and a little nod also a great conversation or nonverbal conversation start i am
0: one of my you know i have all my prompts but one is i am remembering it's just i am remembering you know i love i love verbs and gerunds um but i want to speak to when you said that that moment where we realize we are wrong for me when i have those and i have them plenty It's so liberating. I love it when I realize that I'm wrong because it takes the pressure off thinking I know everything and I have it all together and my worldview, it is what it is. It just opens up so much more possibility and allows me, it's like, then I'm like, oh great. Like, what else am I wrong about? What else can I learn? What else don't I know? And then it kind of moves into like how much better can it be? But for me, it's a relief, you know?
1: I totally resonate with the liberation. And there's a couple things that come into mind. One is that when having conversations with Zoe, my wife, and when we're in a heated conversation where she's presenting a perspective and I am presenting a perspective, there are there a few things that are more liberating in a, in a conversation than me saying authentically, because I can't just say it. If I say it, I don't get the bonus of the feeling. Like, you know what? You're right, I'm wrong about this. It releases a certain burden of responsibility to a larger affinity, to a larger path that I've chosen to be here on. And you know, oftentimes, and it really does have to be authentic. I, I, for me specifically, I, when I wanna disprove myself, or I wanna learn something, I try to prove the opposite. Like when I started learning about vaccines, for example. Right. So I'm I I approached it with an open mind. I had been vaccinated as a child. Um and even up until um right before I left on a on a world travel in my early twenties. And um which was just interesting because I got like a a yellow fever vaccine or something. I went to the doctor, I got the vaccine because I thought I was gonna need it for my travels. I mean, they tell you this is what you need for these travels, for these countries. Um, I went home and I did not get out of bed for 24 hours. I had passed out hard for 24 hours, and I had totally forgotten that. My brother reminded me. He was like, "Oh yeah, like that time you, you got the, the yellow fever vaccine."
0: Right.
1: And so I, you know, I had m- more of my awareness of what I had seen and experienced and read and trusted, said. Vaccines are safe and effective. Like, why would we be doing, like, of course, they're fine. Like, sure, like everything in Western medicine, like there are risks, of course, okay. I wasn't ignorant to that. But I was actually ignorant to the truth of the extent of what's going on. And it doesn't even take that much nose. As soon as your nose goes into the river of, of learning of the flow of information there, it starts to smell fishy. That's an interesting little. And then you're like, whoa, whoa. And then as soon as you stick your whole head in, you start finding all of these things where the medical establishment and the, the, the dominant narrative, it, they're absent of that what if I'm wrong. There's such confidence being needed to speak to sell something to you.
0: Well, I think the other piece, because, and I didn't know we were going to go into the... Oh, we're not on YouTube, so we can say vaccine. Yeah,
1: we can say whatever the fuck. Oh my do.
0: God, we can speak freely! I'm so happy. I deleted all our videos without. <sighs> first. sorry about that.
1: <laughs> I mean, you did say surprise. What I if I was try wrong? To get in touch with you. <laughs> you you got in touch with me, well you try and then and then we finally got in touch and you said was that okay was that what if I was wrong about this we had conversations
0: about it right. This so but since we can speak freely about vaccines and i wasn't intending to go there one of the pieces that i've seen with the larger what if i'm wrong about vaccines which is why i think there is a lot of denial because it goes beyond okay what if i'm wrong and they and i realize that they're not safe that they're not properly tested that they're loaded with aluminum and mammal guts and all you know nefarious things but then it goes into what if i'm wrong Oh, then I hurt my child. Then I allowed this. Then I put my child in danger. And I think that that um, tendril, that fork, that tine of what if I'm wrong, is where a lot of people get stuck because they can't handle the knowingness of of very. And I think it's innocently. Like I don't. I definitely don't blame parents for trusting their doctors. Um, but I think that's one of the pieces where where people get stuck, and then they just stick their head in the sand and want to pretend that it's all fine.
1: There's a, a psychological consequence. A, it's a psychological consequence um, re- resistance. I don't know what the what the word is exactly for it, but the, the 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 what if I'm wrong, and then that means this, that means this, that means this. Right. Even if it doesn't mean exactly the thought pattern of what we think it's, it might mean or the impact, the, the consequences, which is consequence with pattern. These are the things right. that but are going to happen But if we have that I judgment,
0: think, like if we're judging ourselves and we decide to attach that meaning that isn't very compassionate towards ourselves, creates a block in being realistic with what's going on.
1: I, mean, I, I trust doctors to be human. I also trust doctors to be doctors and to know the things that they know. I am not going to lean into a doctor to like give me cooking advice. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But I'm also not gonna ask the doctor to tell me scientifically what is in a vaccine or how the vaccine is made because that's more of a, scient- a scientist's. You know, it's like we, we kind of go, oh, white coat or doctor, they're gonna, they're, they probably learned all about this. Um, which you know, when I speak to uh, family members and friends who are doctors, they have their direct experience, they have uh, their job security, and then they also have the education. Which, when asked about that, is very, very small when okay. it comes to the, this particular topic. Uh, and yeah. It would, yeah, it would just be really, I think, helpful for patients, for customers, for humans to be to just be in the what if i'm wrong space and there are a lot of doctors tens of thousands of doctors who have asked that honestly and then taken the brave step of speaking their consciousness and speaking their conscience more so um and which kind of falls into the realm of why we're not on youtube anymore
0: <laughs> well i also think just just to fill it in but and i do think you know, there are a lot of doctors who are very good people, but we also can't deny the kickbacks that they get from the pharmaceutical companies. I mean, back in the, in the early 2000s, I used to wait tables at a very fancy, very fancy restaurant in Los Angeles that was just down the street from Cedars-Sinai. And I worked all lunch shifts. And literally every day, there were multiple tables of like, Four pharmaceutical reps and one doctor and like multiple $300 bottles of wine and these reps saying, well, how can we get your residents to be prescribing this more? What can we do? What do you, it was all this like, and just throwing money and food and wine. And so we can, we also can't pretend that that's not happening when we're trusting doctors to, you know, to be who they are. That is a piece. That's That's a a piece of of who they are
1: yeah and you know in some ways there's not anything wrong with that if it's being disclosed i mean for me for my personal like if someone is selling me something and they are being very transparent about what they're selling how they came to know this and what what it is i am actually buying not just the shiny cover right. i'm getting the whole book it's like I'm going to sell you this book. It has the most amazing cover you've ever seen. And then you open it, and it's got scribbles and a couple words that are spelled incorrectly. And that's kind of what I feel. It's kind of what I feel like uh, we get a lot of times from things that are so heavily weighted on the facade, and as well from groups of people or from certain professions that have too too much, quote unquote, too much on the line to to ask the question, what if I'm wrong? Mm-hmm. Because we're trained all, like in school. Wrong has really intense consequences, both social and uh, in your, your navigating into who you're gonna be in the world and, and more what you're gonna be in the world. There's so many consequences. If you're, if you're wrong often in school, you're not rewarded. You know, that's, to me, I-
0: Yeah, we're not not given the opportunity to be wrong. It's like, there's shame, there are failing grades. It's, I mean, it's a complete, when we go into the inversion, you know, it's so demonized to be wrong.
1: I wonder what the etymology of wrong, I wonder where we come from on that. Do you have any insight on that before we look it up? Because we have computer and Mr. Internet or missing I don't
0: know that, but I have been, just the other day I went to look up the etymology of which and etymology.com was like, we don't know.
1: We don't know, it's older than what we know. I mean, that's, I
0: respect that, they don't know.
1: They, that is that is them saying, instead of risk being wrong, we're being honest. We're skipping that step of needing to be wrong or right, right. or proclaim some side, you know, because that's also a piece, uh, in this particular, you know, it's like the political sphere right now. I think we would all benefit from asking what if I'm wrong, whether you're interested in a queue or if you're a BLM supporter or you're really, really into um, building back better or, you know, whatever the slogans are, whatever the approaches, the groups, the affinities are, whatever we're interested in, if we're not allowed to ask if we're wrong, then we're in a cult.
0: 100%, and also I've noticed in the political conversation right now between the people who are sure that President Trump is evil fascist dictator, and then there are the people who are sure that President Trump is the savior, that it's the people who are in the like, I'm not really sure, I see this pro, I see this con, who seem healthier. <laughs> they just seem more psychologically on point and more grounded and, and happier. And do you know what I'm saying? Just as far as they're holding themselves, the I don't know's seem to be in a more stable place.
1: It's a lot of energy to hold, to be expected to know everything or to have an answer for everything. I, I found this, which is, I thought was interesting, um, because there's different, because you can wrong someone, but we're not talking about that, the noun wrong. We're talking about the adjective. This is from Etymology Online. So I'm just going to kind of peruse through the first paragraph here because it, there's some interesting uh, uh, words that are similar. Because so we have uh, twisted, crooked, rye. Um, in Old Norse, it was vranga. I don't know if I'm saying that properly, but it sounded fun to attempt. What
0: wrong. What if I didn't say it right?
1: <laughs> what if I'm wronger than I was before? Uh, Proto-Germanic rang. That's not how it's said there. Rang. I was rang. Middle Dutch. It's all. It's all. You know, European Germanic Dutch. Um, sour, bitter. Literally, that which distorts the mouth. Oh, so it's like
0: mouth-centric.
1: Yeah, a nasalized variant of were, which is to turn from pi root were, which is to turn or bend. It's interesting. It's an etymological negative of right. So it, it depends on a, uh, on a dichotomy there.
0: There's the bummer about wrong in terms of medical freedom and i don't want to only talk about medical i didn't actually think we were going to talk about this particular but i love that we are but i think the problem with not asking the question and, and even being dissuaded from asking questions about what if i'm wrong when it comes to medical freedom is then you have you know let's take away the 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 sort of ridiculously contested deaths and instances of autism and, you know, mental development issues that come from vaccines, but look at like thalidomide and what that did to all those children who were born with these like tiny arms or even fluoride, which was a big thing in my generation because they fluoridated the water in Los Angeles, where I grew up, and we they had fluoride in our vitamins, and we all had fluoride mouth rinse, and I got this thing called fluorosis, which a lot of kids in my school had, where we had all these spots on our teeth because they were wrong about fluoride, which actually mm-hmm. has been proven to show zero, zero benefits to the mouth or to oral health. But I think when it comes to medical freedom, it's a problem that we're not being allowed to ask the question, what if we're wrong? because uh, I because mean, our lives
1: break. depend on it.
0: Yeah, because of that.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> our lives depend on it. You know, it's interesting when I, because I grew up brushing my teeth with normal toothpaste. Uh, I never had any cavities as a child. Uh, when I was in my early twenties, I got clued into fluoride. I got clued into you know different toxic ingredients and colors and all these things, and I thought my my body was asking me and my awareness was curious i I wanted to move into something more natural and as soon as i switched to more natural less fluoride, like no fluoride toothpaste i started getting cavities and i at first i was like oh this sucks i want to go back to the fluoride but then i was like oh this is actually the true health of my teeth without like basically killing everything in my mouth after like every time twice a day. And I'm a pretty religious toothbrusher, teeth brusher. I brush all of them. Tongue, gums, all of it. And I, I realized by basically using antibacterial, you know, it's kind of the the analogy would be like cleaning everything out. It's like using an antibiotic in my mouth, a subtle one, but every single day, I'm not actually getting a clear gauge of what my teeth health is, my gum health, and then how that then led me to be aware more of what I was eating. And wow, okay, so if I'm eating more natural foods, there's gonna be less things for my gums and my teeth to show me. And actually, now that I know the etymology, by eating more naturally, I'll probably have less of a perve in my mouth of a twist and I'll be wrong less by eating more naturally. Maybe. <laughs> i I might be wrong
0: i feel like the um this sort of like really gross low vibe slavey predilection for labels is a way of dissuading people from asking am i wrong like anti-vaxxer or climate change denier or trump supporter or what was thrown at me most recently which was flat earther when I claimed no allegiance to that, but merely just questioned. What if I am wrong about this? What would that be like? And then uh, then the label comes, and because the labels are so tied into cancel culture, and like the complete destruction of our reputation, it's basically a way of telling people like, question nothing.
1: It's such a strange evolution of the human consciousness
0: evil i think it's a devolution i mean when i first heard about flat earth was after like an lib and someone told me that there was a talk on it and i just thought well that's absurd i'm sure that was just like absurdist theater to see what people would believe or not believe and i really for years was just like that's absurd that's absurd that's absurd didn't look into it at all like i just thought that's stupid we already know that the earth is round and then I saw one video that kind of laid it out with these graphics where it was like, I could see that like this actually is a possibility. And the other thing that I know is that third dimensional senses are extremely limited and extremely limiting. Like we talked about light before and how we don't actually see like what we call blue is not blue. What we're, we're seeing is like these shorthand distortions for what we really can't see. So, As soon as I question it, and again, like no allegiance to it. I certainly, certainly have not done enough research to sign on to the Earth is Flat story, but in even questioning what if I'm wrong, I was instantly, instantly smacked with this label that was supposed to scare me away from questioning. That feels like devolution to me, or an attempt to devolve us.
1: Yeah, or, or at least to stay static. You know, stay in the same place. Do like what we're doing and just don't question it. Just like, you know, that could threaten things. I also don't really understand what's so threatening. I haven't done enough research into it either. I'm just really entertained. And that's often my, my, uh, I don't know if it's a coping mechanism, but when I haven't looked deeper into something and I hear some uh, alternate theory of what I've believed and what I know culturally is believed, I'm just entertained by it. Like, wow, that's cool. There's literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that think the earth is flat. Huh, that's, that's wild. Cool. Like, how, I don't know how that disrupts my day or my, my confidence in my ability to walk into the world. But I do see that the, when I'm getting pushback, it's like, I need you to think the same way I do. Otherwise, I don't know if what I'm thinking is right. But maybe what we're all thinking is not right. You know, it's, it's the logic doesn't penetrate depth. It's a very shallow, it's a very shallow existence.
0: It's a really shallow and exist, existence, and it presupposes that we know everything, that we're done, not just on an individual level, but like established science is done, and it's all tied up in a neat bow. And that is very depressing to me. Like, if that were true, which I know it isn't, what would the point be? And it, it denies all these other times and moments of history where we learn things that were hugely revolutionary and opened us up in these big ways. And now the powers that were want us to think that we're done and there are no more of those. It's really arrogant and short-sighted.
1: It's also obviously wrong.
0: <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: like, it's like, No, that, that doesn't, I mean, and I, I feel great saying that. It's obviously wrong, yes. and you know there are certain <laughs> concepts that I can also just expand my awareness. I don't have to, and I and I keep saying this, like about uh, when I get into conversations about Q and Q and and people who are deep diving into these very interesting theories. I don't know if they're right or not. There's some interesting correlations. I'm just in the questioning. Right. I'm just curious. I'm being entertained by it. I know that it's not dangerous and it's not inciting violence because I've looked directly at it, not read something that someone told me that they looked at it and then that I'm just going to trust what they're saying. Right. I've actually just engaged with the community and with people who are, you know, putting their energy into this. There's no, like, calls for violence. It's such an absurd thing. That is and so ready. That's when so I, ready. <laughs> when I um, question these these things, I'm like wow, I'm just window shopping here. I don't need to buy these things. I don't need to take them home and own them as ideas that now are my ideas. I'm merely window shopping and seeing what is available in this human experience, spoon bending workshops included. I'm just going to like go out and see what is available in this human body because it's a limited time with no guarantee. That's just the thing. Now, when I come to things like, people thinking they're the center of the universe or that thought. And it's kind of used as a dis or like a selfish thing. You're the center of the universe. But my mind is not so rigid as to think that that's false. Like, yes, and from the apparatus I have for perceiving on a daily basis, I am the center of my universe. I'm the center of the universe. I, I perv things and what comes through me, you know, if it happens to me, it's coming through me. Like I, I then get to take responsibility, right? If I'm the center of my universe, my universe is not going how I want it to. The only way that that's going to happen, that's going to change is if I take responsibility. Whereas if the universe centered is somewhere else or in some collective, then I have no power to change. And I'm just just on a here Would you like option a or option b would you like to take responsibility or would you like to outsource your responsibility and go to more of a centralized situation i'm like no that doesn't that doesn't give me enough enough depth and enjoyment and curiosity in this particular life
0: a thousand percent and you're an actualized being and this system goes out of its way to create disempowered little babies who just want to be taken care of and get by in survival mode. And it's not, you know, like that's what allows the system to run. But what's frustrating now is seeing people taking the bait and fighting for the right to be little disempowered slave babies. And they don't realize that they're doing the bidding of their oppressors and that there are so many more wonderful opportunities waiting for them if they wouldn't fight. For their own enslavement, you know, it's like the people fighting for like the BLM thing. It's like, is this really all that progressive? If like Mastercard and Starbucks are behind your movement, like, are you really that edgy? You're, you're. Re- Do you know what I'm saying? Are you really that punk rock when the establishment and YouTube and the NBA are all rolling the same same slogans out?
1: Yeah, that's it. it's an interesting question. It's actually a really important question to ask within the, the question sets that allow us to better know ourselves, to better know whether the sacred energy, the, the very finite time that we have here, it's like you, you're gonna put it into something. Double check, like write a rough draft, check it out. Yeah, have, just
0: check, just
1: check. Just check it out.
0: You, like, like, again, going back to what if I'm wrong? You might be totally right, but just check.
1: And if you're totally right, awesome when I'm totally right it feels so good it feels as good as when I'm wrong actually because I'm I'm busted open a nugget of questioning there's so much energy in that right there's so much
0: so much and also seeing where like understanding that everything is energy and alignment and 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 frequency and whatnot so when I had first heard You know, like I was so identified, not super identified, but like, you know, I spent years in a Mahayana Tibetan Buddhist tradition. I was very much like Tibetan Buddhism. Yay. And the first chink that came that showed me that I might be wrong about it. I was like, no, 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 because I like it. And because I have a personal relationship. So I'm going to refuse to look at this. And so I think an, a piece for our viewers, as far as the question, what if I'm wrong, is looking at when we're not willing to ask the question, where is it because we're personally identified and it threatens our own personal identity? Because I think that's such a big piece that keeps us from questioning.
1: And, and uh, uh, to put that in context, what, in, in your experience and your identity, are there opportunities for improvement are there spaces where you could expand where where you could grow i'm guessing yes i'm just going to go out on a limb there and when we have <laughs> when we have the blinders of denialism on and we're unwilling to ask the question for fear of losing our identity perhaps we then need to ask the question is the identity that i'm holding on to worth holding on to
0: exactly Exactly. And is what I am, I'm giving my allegiance to worthy of my allegiance? And what is this allegiance? What is this quantum entanglement and this energetic allegiance? How is that curving my life if it isn't what I think it is?
1: There's so much nuance. It's so beautiful. It's nuance rich. There's, uh, there's actually a lot of tendrils we can go down even into going, uh, you know, into more like sacred documents and having, Things that are written i know we've touched on before in the show like the constitution or the old testament the torah the in the new testament there these things are uh written to not have definite answers but to really invite inquiry and to have some gray area for us to exercise our humanity which in my experience in my opinion part of humanity is having the liberty to choose what is resonant to choose what is what feels right what do i want to expand into and as long as i'm not hurting someone else not in some existential way not because someone has a victimy complex but as long as i'm not inflicting violence and danger into somebody else then i'm free to explore the thought patterns and thought forms that are available here, and then to check in. And it's like, instead of censoring, just present, present, present better information, more honest, more transparent. That's the, that's the trump of the, of the conversation. That's how you win a, a debate, is you present better information. You don't say, that information's wrong, and that's your argument.
0: You give different information that indicates that. You show, I mean, 100% i agree with what you're saying justin frank polgar
1: (laughs) i agree with you as well tk i love the conversation that we're in right now because this is a conversation that falls follows us outside of this podcast and i really invite our listeners and i invite both of us as well to find a conscious moment or find several to ask ourselves what if i'm wrong especially about the things that we feel we that our identity especially about the things that uh that we make choices on regularly, like uh, coffee's not good for me or coffee is good for me. What if I'm wrong? I'm it's not, funny. I can't eat chocolate every day. What if I'm wrong? That's what got me into my situation right now where I eat a lot of chocolate every day. And look also, at me, I'm a happy motherfucker.
0: You're an awesome <laughs> motherfucker. Literally a motherfucker, congratulations. I, know. It should,
1: I, I think that motherfucker is actually, uh, in some ways, I, I feel like that's a compliment.
0: There's this great movie Wildcats with Goldie Hawn back in the '80s. I think this is the second Goldie Hawn movie I've mentioned.
1: That's true. I was gonna, I was gonna say.
0: And she's in court, like a custody battle, and she talks about calling her husband a motherfucker, and she's like, "Well, it's actually true." But um, in terms of uh, prompts for our awesome audience, is I think it's especially wise to ask the question, "What if I'm wrong?" when we're triggered. Yeah. And when, when we're it's judging, most difficult. And when we're judging other people and when when separation and when it's heated. That is a really good moment or when we're defending. When we're defending an ideology, when we feel the need to defend, you know like when there's any sort of like heightened thing happening in the emotional body, great to ask the question, what if I'm wrong?
1: Yes. Yes. And it's just super relevant for for me because I'm breathing because I'm alive and because I'm, I'm here to, uh, to be conscious. Awesome with you. Thank you, DK.
0: Thank you, Justin. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of word up with Danny Katz. Be sure to give it a like, to share it with your nearest and dearest, and remember to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single episode of your very favorite podcast, Word Up with Danny Katz. We'll see you soon, tribe.